0: This week, Gary Golem of Awake Security joins us for our feature interview in startup articles and discussion even changing prospects' minds, the MVP paradox, commodifying SaaS, and what do boards actually do? Anyways, uh, we cover updates from ForgeRock, and our startup journeys will be uh, giving you an update at the end. All that and more on this episode of Startup Security Weekly. This is Security Weekly, for security professionals, by security professionals. Broadcasting live from G-Unit Studios in Rhode Island, it's the show about security startups, how to secure your startup, and advice for security startups. It's Startup Security Weekly.
1: I need it from the top.
0: Brought to you by make sure your team is prepared to fight off the latest cybersecurity threat. Pro TV is the resource to keep you and your IT team skills up to date. You can stream IT Pro TV's courses live and on demand worldwide, so there's no need to send staff to off-site training. Their team solution provides access to a supervisor portal for full control over your team's training schedule and group analytics. Go to ITpro.tv forward slash startup security and use the code SS30 to try it free for seven days and receive Thirty percent off your monthly membership for the lifetime of your active subscription. To learn more about IT Pro TV's team solution, sign up for a free demo of their Supervisor Portal. Welcome to Startup Security Weekly. I'm your host Paul Asadorian, reporting on the startup news, and interviews, and other such fun startup things for Friday, September eighth, two thousand and seventeen. This is episode fifty-four. G Unit Studios, where cables get a little. Wonky, always. Did you hear me? Did I cut out or did my headphones cut? I'm not sure what cut out just there. But someone who's not going to cut out and is going to stay here for the whole show because <laughs> he's the beach bum himself. Mr. Michael Sant'Arcangelo is here with us. How'd you like that for a radio transition?
1: <laughs> I I really liked it. You know, I, I, for a while here, I thought that uh, I'd be hanging out with Jim Cantori and we could, uh, we could do the show together. But it turns out the hurricane is tacking westward uh, and I, I will be here for the whole show. I have nothing to distract me
0: so you're not gonna you're not gonna get hurricane on.
1: doesn't look like it i mean you know we'll get rain yeah get some wind wet wind um, we call that wet wind yeah no uh no other things which is good i mean you know sorry for the people that are in the path of it but uh and it's interesting too you know when you look at it you know a lot of times we talk about this there are startups that have to think about like the safety of their employees, and if you're a startup, that means you can take your foot off the pedal for a little bit. There's security operations centers that have to figure out h- how to maintain operations, uh, and it's uh, uh, there's a lot going on. So there'll be a lot for us to be able to talk about, including the stuff with Gary. He's got some insights, too. I hate taking my Things foot like, off the pedal. Like, yeah, I'm, no, no I'm fun. one of those people yeah, no. like
0: when I play like a racing like arcade game like it's pedal to the metal the entire time <laughs> <That's> Exactly <right. laughs> there's no break there's no letting off the the pedal is just pedal to the metal the entire time
1: I find the same thing works when you go go karting yes just push it down I yeah. mean the, the likelihood of really getting hurt is not that high so just 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 go yes, live, just, just live free it.
0: Uh, Make sure you visit itpro.tv forward slash startup security, use the code SS30, try it free for seven days, receive 30% off, use the supervisor portal, which I am just in love with. This is an awesome idea. Uh, and I see it as an emerging trend in IT training, your employer can manage your training experience. They can assign modules, they can track your progress so that you have more time. That's my goal for you as an employer, to give your employees more time to do some training because it's important for a whole lot of reasons, career advancement, and really the health of your company, Um, making sure your employees are trained up. They've got lots of different training modules at IT, everything from project management to Metasploit. Uh, Talk about running the gamut. So make sure you check out our fine friends at ITProTV. All righty, Michael, why don't you introduce our guest for today?
1: Yeah, it's gonna be fun. Uh, we've, we've talked about Awake Security now uh, a couple times, and you and I both have looked at it differently, and I had a chance to talk to Gary a couple weeks ago. In fact, uh, Gary's Slapshot is running on my column this week, uh, and it's uh, it's perfect setup for the stuff we're gonna talk about. So Gary Golem's joining us uh, from Awake Security. He's one of the co-founders of Awake Security. Tremendous amount of experience um, in it, it was one of those kind of conversations where we got talking about the SOC. And, uh, you know, uh, I had talked to him prior to our uh, Enterprise Security Weekly episode last week, where we, we talked about SOCs and SOC management and, and a lot of the stuff. And, and Gary is the one who said to me, you know, Michael, I went and I asked people about their jobs and I, I listened to them. And, and I, I won't take Gary's thunder away. It was, it was really interesting uh, in that approach. And so I said, well, you got to come on the program. You got to talk to us about it. And of course, you brought it up. So, Gary, uh, we're glad you're here. Welcome to start security weekly
2: thanks for having me i'm very excited to be here
1: yeah so um you know it's funny i i get drawn in immediately to your your marine corps experience but but uh what we should probably talk about is some of the stock stuff i mean you know what we always look at in this um first of all awake took a huge round like it was almost like you guys ran stealth and then just popped up Big round uh, a couple months ago mm-hmm. and, and hit the hit the ground running big. So, you know, on this mm-hmm. program, we talk about all sorts of things. At some point, I'd, I'd like to talk about that and your experience. And yeah. you were early in at silence and you're in at prevention. So you've got a lot of stuff here that has worked its way up uh, into different mm-hmm. places. But, but I want to talk about the sock for a little bit, too, because one of the yeah. things that we look at on this program is innovation. Uh, and so we, we have people that are watching this that are investors. We have people that are security leaders, but we also have people that that are in the sock. And I, I want to start with your experience. And I actually want to start with what prompted you to ask people how they describe their jobs. Like, tell us a little bit about that, that experience and what you learned when you started doing that with
2: people. Oh, yeah. Wow. OK, so so it, it was, you know, as you mentioned, it was kind of a, this really interesting uh, case study. I mean, I think there were several things that led to it. Um, you know, first of all, just part of the work that we did with Awake. Uh, wow. Okay, here, I'm in witness protection now. Um, you're not, you do like <laughs> you're in witness now, protection. Now you can obfuscate your voice. That's it. Yeah. yeah. You're not moving enough. Yeah, there we go. Okay. Uh, how is that for timing? Wow. Yeah. Huh? Um, okay. So uh, So, anyways, uh, you know, one one of the things that we did, I think, you know, that we, we started talking about last time. Or one, well, one of the things we did with Awake was, uh, we spent a lot of time investigating, uh, investigating SOCs means analyzing analysts where we'd embed for, for literally days at a time, say next to tier one analyst and then tier two, tier three analysts and SOC managers, really understanding their workflows, literally click by click, not just documenting each click, but, but um, understanding well, what the questions are that, that people are trying to answer when making these clicks, right? Um, And uh, so there's a very extensive uh, process we went through. I mean, we even started getting into like cognitive profiling of analysts, what separates not only security people from other people in IT, but what separates uh, people in defensive uh, analyst type positions from from even their peers in offensive positions. Um, And a lot of that work was done to make sure we were designing a product that that really matched the the profile of the people using it and just making sure we really understand the base. But uh, as we started going out and talking about the work we did, uh, it was it was very interesting to see the response we got, and I think that that's one of the things that prompted the question. So for several months, what I did is every time we went into a sock, uh, you know, which would be several times a week in in a lot of cases, <laughs> I'd ask the question, "How do you, you know, what what?" adjectives would you use to describe your work? And not once did I ever hear a positive word. It was always words like demoralizing and tedious and and mundane and, um, you know, a lot of things I like that. we spent a lot of time really trying to understand that, but but it was just very shocking to see because I have this memory of, uh, you know, when you think back to like the 90s, early 2000s and even into the mid 2000s doing the work like those weren't the words we used to describe the work. The, the work was exciting. It was fun. It was it was sexy. It's um, you know, it's what pulled a lot of us into the to the industry in a lot of ways. So um, yeah, pretty, pretty stunning to see that 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 difference there. But uh, and and it makes sense. Like you know, when when you when you watch what what analysts, I mean, you know, when you compare analysts today to to the work we did ten, you know, fifteen almost 20 years ago, um, it is very different today. You know, back then there were a uh, much smaller number of tools that, that uh, you know, maybe, maybe were a little bit more broad in terms of, of what they did, but when you watch analysts and, and what they do now, uh, there's statistics out there that, that show that on average, analysts use about 35 different tools after they pull an alert off the sim or some other system so between pulling an alert off and making decision they have to jump through about 35 you know about 35 different tools we have uh, certain customers we've seen where that number goes up to 75 uh you know in very well funded socks and and the thing there is that you know these tools are designed to to alerts or identify or block or correlate or label you know i mean ultimately ultimately machine learning is all about just labeling data um but they're not designed to investigate and and that creates a cascade of problems from there uh, that has real material impact both on the people doing the work but on the organization and and you know the people who are responsible for managing managing risk um It's uh, uh, I mean, you know, so so here, you know, for example, like if we kind of dissect this and and pull this apart a little bit. one of the things that, that we found that, that really surprises a lot of people is that uh, you know, this could happen in, in the organization that, that we were looking at, or a lot of times analysts have experienced this in the past and they kind of carry the scars forward. But if you've ever, you know, you've ever been in that seat, you've been an analyst, and you've had to make a decision, right? You pull something, whether it's off the SIM or off a sensor or off something else, but you have to make a decision. And that decision, you know, vendors tend to think about it as yeah, it's just false positive, true positive, right? Make a decision. And life moves on, um, but no. Actually, the, the decision that analysts are making are: Am I going to take your computer away from you? Interrupt whatever business processes you're involved in? Uh, kick off whatever you know political battles can ensue from there, which which you know is not entirely uncommon. Um, you know, am I going to do that or not? And if you've ever been an analyst and you've ever been wrong, right, where you say, hmm. yes, this computer is compromised, and it turns out it's not. And so the computer comes back to desktop management or support or wherever it's going to go. And it's ultimately determined that that you were wrong about the decision. You learn real fast to never make that mistake again. and And so what we find is that analysts are actually incentivized not to take action, unless whatever it is they're looking at is just you know, plain as day, like it's Zeus, it's ransomware, you know, there's no question about there's a problem here. We need to respond to it. We're really good about responding to those types of things as an industry. Um, the things that are more subtle, you know, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of cases where analysts are actually incentivized not to take action on those things. And then those are the things that of course turn into, uh, you know, investigators dropping in at a later date with, you know, crazy bill rates and and everything like that. So, um, uh, yeah. <laughs> there's uh, uh, a lot of a lot of kind of interesting characteristics I think emerge from you know from from what we see and kind of the state of affairs out there today.
0: Gary, how much of the the problem did you identify before you started talking to socks? Like, did you know there was a sock problem, and and what did you want to understand better specifically, or did you not know? And you're like, I know there's a sock yeah. problem. Let's go figure it out.
2: Uh, you know, so it was both. Um, there, you know, we we knew a bit coming into it, and where a lot of those uh, learnings came from is so. So I've kind of you know uh, bounced around between, or or uh, you know, moved between roles in the vendor space where I've been focused on either endpoint or network um, investigative technologies and research development and things like that, but you know, there's kind of a, there's kind of a catch-22. Um, I mean, be, being a vendor, you know, being in the vendor side is fantastic. You get to go out there, develop relationships with with people across all kinds of different industries, see how different companies approach things. And um, I mean, it's really like a, a special kind of experience to have. The catch-22, though, is you're developing solutions to real-world problems, but you're not in the real world, right? Like a vendor's lab is not what's happening out there, right? Um, So because of that, I've also been very kind of rigorous in in ensuring that throughout my career, I spent a lot of time doing uh, like uh, incident engagements and consulting and that type of work, you know, being, being on the other side of the fence, really, you know, drinking, drinking our own medicine. Uh, And and the neat thing about the investigative work is you really are focused on the gap, right? Where, where, you know, if you're doing an investigation, it's because everything else had failed up to that point. Um, So anyways, uh, in doing that work, it's it was you know one of the things that we noticed was at the end of an engagement uh, or an investigation, you create this report with the who, what, when, where, why, how. Of course, the who is you know best guess most of the time, but um, uh, you, you create this very detailed report that has all this information in it, and was kind of stunning to see is you drop in after the fact right many cases you know four years you know, several years after the breach happened all this this activity took place over this time and so the information is there and you consistently see humans can get to it and generate it and uh core you know collate it and cor- correlate it and, and draw conclusions from it but it's a very manual, you know, very, very time consuming, labor intensive process. And, and if you do it long enough, you realize that a lot of it is fairly repetitive, meaning it can be um, put into technology, right. So we came into, we came into this with that kind of mindset that there's a lot of things humans do, that machines are not doing, you know, and this kind of gets to the there's things machines do well, there's things humans do well. And I think in our industry in the security industry, we need to detangle those things quite a bit more uh, for the sake of the, the entire industry. And so so that was, you know, that was part of it. But then when we went in and we started doing the work, you know, that the Awake did specifically around like investigating socks and, and developing a solution around this, this kind of problem space, um, one of the things we really wanted to understand was was kind of the user and how how people tend to like if we're going to focus on people we're going to focus on the way they make decisions um we need to really understand how they think what types of information they use to to make decisions what types of questions they ask which is very different by the way from you know we had to spend a lot of time pulling apart uh you know if you if you sit next to somebody and you ask them what question they're asking when they make a click well, a lot of times they're asking a, it's not the question they want to ask or the, the question they want an answer to really they're they're asking the question that the tool allows them to ask, right? Mm-hmm. And and so there, there tends to be a delta or a gap between those two things, right? So we really wanted to get down to okay, um, you know your hands are tied using all these different you know 35 different tools which ironically are really spread across only three data sets right there's the network the endpoint and aggregated logs um so you start to see you know this very hyper-focused technologies and how this affects the investigative process for folks um but uh you know we really wanted to understand you know how they think and, and how they're going after things and uh, Gary, that I was just, that something
0: that just about. struck me as you were talking that i think is really interesting having been uh, a sock analyst, uh, and have this been my my daily life? Every time I got into work, I'd have to look at logs and in, in packets, which is is awesome. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, as a nerd, yeah. I love that kind yeah. of stuff. But I think your observation that the tools don't necessarily answer your question—they answer a question—but I feel like mm-hmm. sock analysts kind of get down the rabbit hole. They like they subconsciously, you know, the question mm-hmm. you want to ask and you know what you know answer you're looking for, but you can only ask other questions and you have to sometimes ask a half a dozen or more questions just to get to your original Mm -hmm. one. So it's like how deep down that rabbit hole do I have to go until I get to, like, I just want to know what this particular thing looked like at this time. And you can't get there. So you ask about, well, what did that other thing look at this time? And what did this thing look like that was somewhat related? And that's, I think, a lot of the pain points for SOC analysts today Mm -hmm. is that they don't get to ask the questions they want to ask. They get to ask 18 other questions that
2: maybe get them an answer. Yeah, so so I, like what you're hitting on right there to me, it spans so many problem areas that we talk about in an in industry, but we don't tend to associate with that being the source of the the pain or the problem, right? And so, so yeah, there are that many different tools, and w- people tend to watch analysts do exactly what you just described, and you know that's when we start getting the skills crisis conversations and things like that, and and I'd actually put out there that. That I think that there's you know I mean there's a variety of reasons for why we have a skills crisis, but but I think a, a a pretty significant percentage of it to me is is almost artificially created by the tools, right? And so, for example, you know again, 35 different tools, basically three data sets more or less that, that you're looking at. We could look at a couple different ways, but so of course all these tools are very hyper focused on some very specific thing, and we have to piece that together. But but the problem's worse than that because these tools that we're talking about they were designed. All, almost all across the board, all of them they were designed to uh, to, like we said, you know identify alert, block, label. They were designed to in many ways create alerts. We could just say that generically and simply, not investigate those alerts, mm. right and And we find that uh, analysts and teams are actually not equipped. They have all kinds of technology. And at the end of the day, they're not equipped with anything to actually investigate. The things that those technologies are telling them so what do you do you're forced to go to all these other tools to kind of cross correlate again not designed to investigate you know the, these alerts from other tools either in most cases um, and we have to pick these really, uh, you know, almost arcane kind of data points from each one, piece it together, uh, and and try to tell a story from that, which is not only unbelievably time consuming, and we see that in the metrics, when we go look at socks, and we go just look at industry spe- uh, statistics around how many alerts or, you know, potential types of, of threats that teams get through, it's a very small percentage of what they're actually logging. And again, we know that from from kind of reports that you see out of breach cases. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah, so it's 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 not a very time-consuming, it's very error-prone, right? And, and this ties yeah. directly into Well, you the- can go
0: down a, a, a rabbit... So what I when I worked for a university, for example, it kind of took yeah. me back to when I worked for a university and I had to do incident investigation and using the tools that I had at the time. You know, this is maybe 10 plus years ago. And what yeah. I would do is I would look in... I would get an alert from something, right, from some source, and say, well, that's kind of interesting. That could be a security concern. My first question most of the time was, I started with, well, what what is that? Like, what, what generated the alert? and since, yeah, yeah. And I think it's not just a university problem. I think most organizations, the analysts, you have no idea what that is. But having the context of what it is would answer your problem. Because after I went through all the manual work, which sometimes involved calling people on the phone, right? Because you have departments in the university that are just standing stuff up uh, all over the place. And you come down and be like, you know, that's like, oh, that's our mail server. I'm like, oh. Well, that alert totally makes sense then, if that's your mail server. I'm like, no worries. Yeah. Or sometimes they'd be like, yeah. oh, that's the old machine that you know, has Windows XP that runs some equipment. I'm like, oh, yeah, it's definitely compromised. right?" But until I could answer that yeah. question like, like, what is that? And I feel yes. like your solution that's really, when, yeah. when I listen to you and, and, and others in your organization talk about it, that's the pain point it hits for me is it helps me as an analyst yeah. answer that question, what is that?
2: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's not only what is that, but, you know, so so I'm totally into packets and protocols and and all those things, you know, too. That's, it's, you know, at the end of the day, that's that's where, you know, a lot of my work is focused on. But when you are faced with a stack of things you need to go through, you don't start with packets and protocols and, and you, know, you know, metadata about, about those things you start at the top, right? Because you have a whole bunch of things you need to go through. So a lot of times the first question is just like, who is this person? Like Mm -hmm. how, how relevant is this in the first place? Because again, you pull something off the queue, there's more things behind it. You are constantly with the thing that's in the front of your mind, actually more than a lot of technical questions is how much more time should I spend on this before moving on to the next thing? Yeah. Yeah. Right. And, and so, yeah, so, so that's, Uh, You know, and and there's so many examples where understanding who the person is and their role in the organization is so critical too, right? You think about spear, you know, phishing versus spear phishing, um, understanding what that person, the type of work they do in your organization, you know, which is way beyond what you can get out of active directory labels or things like that. um, Understanding how they behave in the organization, types of, you know, information they work with and what they do with it. It's almost one of the first things you need to know before you even get it, because that will help you make sense of, well, does this alert or does, you know, does this data point correlate to this type of person in the first place? Right. And then then you go from there, which is that thing. It's almost, you know, it's almost impossible to investigate something in isolation. Right. It's, you know, what what other types of data, whatever types of behavior around that to support uh, the assertion that it that it's bad. Right. I mean, that's. That's one of the interesting things about the work. I think that's one of the the, the coolest things about the work. Actually, over the past couple of decades, is how, you know, the need to understand business justified versus not business justified has become such an important requirement for the analysis process. And, and you know, I'm not sure that that it was such a prominent feature, you know, earlier, you know, early in the earlier days of doing this type of work. You know, what, what also I find interesting, uh, Gary, about your
0: technology and your point of view of the problem. Uh, and this is my point of view of your point of view of the problem, right, is I think <laughs> that most organizations, maybe all organizations, um, we all as security professionals say, hey, look, you need to know what's on your network, what systems there are, what protocols they talk, what applications you have, how they how they talk, and you need to know, well, who uses all of that technology, and who's supposed to use it and who's not supposed to use it, right? It gets into asset management and identity and access management. you got to know. We always say know your network, yeah. but it's more than just the network. Yeah. You have to know all of the systems, all of the people, um, where everything is. Nobody knows that today. Yeah. I, it's really the estimation that I get is that no, no organization yeah. Yeah. out there that's grown to any substantial size, even smaller organizations, nobody knows that. I mean, I manage it yeah. on my small yeah. network here. Uh, we had an intern start. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, yeah no, dude, there, there's no DHCP on the, on the Ethernet. He's like, what? What do you mean? I'm like, because I got to keep yeah. track of what people plug in. And that's just one way that I do yeah. you know, do that. You scale that out. There's no way anyone can do asset management and discovery and then put on top of that who should have access to what and really have a 100% running view. All the time, as mm-hmm. that stuff changes, I think it's I think it's impossible, and that's one of the reasons why yeah. I like your solution is because you can draw some of that context on the fly, and I think that's really hitting on a problem that we have in our, our industry today.
2: Yeah, no. It's, so it's, we, we had this conversation very, very early on in the in the life of the company uh, with uh, a friend, a guy I know who uh, affiliated with NASA, and uh, one of the things that that. We were talking about in terms of prioritizing you know your the work you're doing and how you make decisions. Um, one of the problems he was hitting on is you know, I can look in you know some directory service and I can see that this person works in this department, but that doesn't tell me anything, right i, I don't I don't know how to differentiate the importance of the people in those departments. And there's nobody in the security team who does, who's a theoretical physicist or an astrophysicist, right? We don't have those people. So I don't know what how to even make sense. Uh, you know, you can show me the data and the information, but I don't actually know how to make sense of that. Um, and that actually starts to lead into kind of a more subtle problem, but actually a really big problem that enterprise, experiences it, uh, enterprise experience every day. And I think this is kind of one of the exciting aspects of, of the, the technology for me. And that is when you look at, sort of the difference between junior analysts or more entry level people and senior analysts, and especially the type of people who drop in as investigators. um, When you when you do when you kind of study how they make decisions and how effective they are, what you what you find is uh, they actually make decisions almost equally effectively. If you, you know, if you remove the process of needing to find the information, and you just put the information in front of, and by the way, this is this is confirmed across all kinds of industries. There've been, you know, lots of studies in the airline industry for many decades on this difference between entry-level pilots and and uh, seasoned, you know, captains of planes. It's what separates these two groups. Actually, is is something called procedural knowledge. So it's just the ability to get to the information. But if you present the information, even junior analysts do understand business justified, not business justified, and they can make sense of that data, right? And so, um, so really focusing on that and putting the oh here we go, witness protection again, um, putting that information <laughs> in front of uh, in front of you know, the uh, the analyst, it it not only totally powers up. The, the junior analyst. So like one of the most exciting things I've seen with our product, well, there's there's a handful, but one of the things that got me personally excited was seeing an entry-level analyst who had never looked at packets before his current job, which started only a couple months before, before we got involved with this company, um, never looked at network traffic and doing very sophisticated investigations, like looking ultimately in, into a case that was a uh, industrial espionage case, um, you know, presenting them the information and watching them be successful, totally awesome. Watching senior level uh, investigators get in front of it and be able to do things, you know, within minutes that took hours or really days before. Um, that's that's exciting, too. But but really, you know, seeing seeing the newer folks get to do the exciting, fun, sexy type of work that we got to do, you know, when we first got into this is, is for me personally, just a very kind of fulfilling thing to see.
1: You know, what I'm, what I'm loving listening to you, too, is uh, that's exciting from a business perspective. Wait, you mean I'm not just chasing false positives? Or yeah, look, another <laughs> virus got in. Like, it's espionage. It's somebody doing something. where are like, you're actually protecting the company, which means when it's time to go back to the executives of the board and report on the value that you're contributing, a lot easier to show them something of substance, which it's great for the person who's doing it. And you're right. It's exciting if somebody who's kind of newer at it is empowered to go make a difference. But I'm listening to it too from a business perspective and say, wait, so you're freeing me up as a human, as a person to go do something that's meaningful, that's elevated in
2: the yeah. organization. Uh, yeah, that's, that's <laughs> pretty awesome. You know, there's kind of a funny is just remember, So there was another there was another case we looked at uh, different different company. And uh, there, it was another it was one of the other espionage type cases actually not type. It, it was actually confirmed confirmed by the company for us. But uh, one of the one of the things I was interesting about that that I hadn't seen before was um it was actually within the first couple hours of using the product. We we, we discovered uh, this person who was sending out uh, files that, that looked like pretty much the most sensitive type of, of data this organization had. And uh, it, it turned out you know, we learned later that basically what this person was doing was when files were emailed to them, and only when they were emailed, they would save the file off and then use a side channel to, to upload it, right. So they weren't trouncing all over some file share somewhere, you know, being really noisy, it was just very passively, if you emailed something to me, and it was interesting that would go out to this other other organization through through a different means. Um, okay, so we go back to the organization. We tell them about this, and the response back to us initially was, uh, "No, no, it's okay. It's business justified. Uh, we have, uh, you know, we have people that actually do need to share that particular kind of data out externally, um, and that particular source, uh, which which was in Asia. Uh, you know, we have locations all over the place, so not a big deal. Um, you know, it's it's okay." And uh, what we were able to do, because you know, some, one of the things the technology does is it not only takes the data we have and translates it into more of a human mental model, represents the the information the way people think about it. Again, not packets and protocols, but you know, people and devices and behaviors. Um, but then we also do uh, like similarity analysis and, and group uh, group devices and people by their activity and behavior, so that you can compare. And so we were able to go back to the customer and say, "Yeah, we see what you're saying. We see the people who do." Uh, what looks like business justified because there's a group of people that do very similar things. They, these types of files, this type of data, these types of locations, they all do that. But this person, the people they're most similar to do nothing like what we see here. Um, they don't, they, you know, they don't even like they don't talk to these locations. That, you know, so it's a very, it's a very different type of comparison. Um, and the, you know, the customer kind of went silent for a little while and came back with a lot of questions and thanked us for, <laughs> for you know, following up on it. Um, but, but, you know, I guess what made me think of that was was what you were talking about and that there are more these more subtle issues here around. You know again, a lot of the espionage espionage types of cases we hear about, again, they tend to be kind of obviously, like remote access backdoors. and again, you know those are the types of things we could be higher confidence about. But you know really, you know business and business justified is a huge issue uh, in in making decisions, you know for even the lowest level of of analysts. And as an industry, we haven't compensated for that very well. Michael, more yeah. questions for for Gary.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, we've we've talked a lot about the problem, right? So one of yeah. the things that that Paul and I have done recently is we've talked about categories, categorization. We're we're in love with the book Play Bigger and the idea of the, defining your own category. And I think what you've just demonstrated for the people following along with us is falling in love with the problem publicly. I mean, you've you've described it well. You've gone through it. You've you guys have spent a lot of time and effort on that. So when you go out to somebody now and you say, "Okay, hey, I'm from Awake Security." How do you explain the problem that you solve? What problem are you solving?
2: I mean, you know, I think I think it ultimately comes down to to, to, to two things, right? First of all, uh, and it, when we're talking with when we're talking with enterprises, we we actually can talk with them about the metrics they already have. So we can frame the conversation just like let's start with your own measurements and let's talk about the problem. You know, not how we prescribe or how we see it, but what you're experiencing and when we go through these metrics a lot of time what we see is you know you look at the the number of number of events that get closed out uh you know in, in an average enterprise and it's it's actually very small there's again a lot of statistics in the industry around this too um, you know about five percent uh you know but it's, it's kind of average out there yeah for for the number of Alerts are things that that ultimately get looked at by a human being who needs to make a decision on on Whether we're gonna do something about that or not Um, and so the first part of the problem is that and you know the people that tend to do that type of work Which we could call alert investigation tend to be uh, more of the 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 junior more junior analysts, right? Um, It's it's very time-consuming both from the number of tools that they have, right, because they have to piece together this information like we were talking about earlier. Um, but that also creates a burden on the more senior analysts who have to do a lot of a review. You know, they, they call it kind of the the alert stream from, you know, T1 alert stream. And so um, so that's that's part of the problem is so we address it by um, actually pre computing a lot of information. So so we don't rely necessarily on the user to come in and know what questions to ask. We pre computed the answers across a you know wide variety of, of ways of looking at behavior and just present that so they can immediately start making decisions on that. And it really accelerates uh, the you know accelerates and makes the, the tier one or the lower tier folks. Um, uh, a lot more, you know, accurate and effective. But, but the second is um, really dramatically expanding the, I'd say the, the uh, insight and efficiency of your senior level analysts as well, right? And so the way we hear this, you know, in the industry is you hear organizations talk about how uh, they know they need to do proactive discovery of threats that are being missed by automated approaches, right? Which we could call hunting. Um, so they know they need to do this, but, you know, we frequently hear we don't have. We either don't have the people or the skills, or we don't have the time to do it. If we do have, right, because their the time is being consumed, uh, you know, focused on on these other uh, other things that are are overly time-consuming. And so, so that's ultimately, you know, those, those are the two things we focus on. And it's funny, like I said, when we go into Socks, we can work off their own metrics, or we go into an enterprise, so we can work off their own metrics and show, um, show, you know, how they're being impacted just through their own numbers in in these two areas. Uh, and, and what's exciting about that, what's exciting about starting with those as the metrics is when we come in and we do, you know, proof of concepts, um, we already have, Points of measurement to start with, where we can show, look, this is not. You know, there's some some really amazing technology here. It's exciting to talk about, but there's a purpose to it, right? We can we can measure it at the end of the day, and we can measure it. You know, right up front, here's where you should see improvements.
1: Who are you? So when you when you go in, uh, and, and we don't have to run down this rabbit hole too far, but do you who's your champion then like when you when you bring this in because you know as i'm listening to you this sounds like the kind of thing that you could bring to the CISO, but you might find Mm -hmm. it's more in a like are you finding that you're coming to a lot of like just SOC operations, like security operations, or is it the DevOps, or is it Sec DevOps, yeah. or are you at the CISO level, or are you coming at the executives? I know, and everybody's always trying to look at it differently, but I'm I'm just kind of curious because yeah. you're offering something that's spanning a lot of different opportunities, even though you're centering it yes. in the ability for the yeah. SOC to do better.
2: Yeah, okay. So that's just a great question. So we, uh, I mean, the, the very clear, uh, you know, the, the very clear sort of group of folks that, uh, you know, almost unanimously gets very excited when we start showing them, you know, demos and going in and showing them data in their environments are the practitioners, are the people uh, in the SOC, you know, at, at all le- you know, ends of the spectrum, um, both, you know, entry level to, to senior tiers. Um, I mean, they get it immediately. We have these really fun conversations all the time. Um, so that's that's one group that's very obvious. Um, at the at the other end of the spectrum, right? You, you have the you have the executives, and and although the solution is very focused on empowering and making people better, uh, executives are also very aware, and and you know you can see this in the metrics that. They spend an enormous amount on technologies that do do all the alerting and labeling and correlation and, and all of those things. But they still have a team of people that need to make a decision. Am I going to interrupt a business process by taking somebody's device away from them and, you know, doing whatever ensues from that, you know, depending on the organization. Right. And that's that's the gap. Right. And that's where things really slow down that's where things start to get inaccurate. And so the risk that, uh, that CISOs ultimately carry on their shoulders is, uh, is really felt within that gap, the gap between all hmm. the technologies you have creating alerts and that decision that ultimately needs to be made by the team to, to take action or not, right? So um, so there is, I mean, we, we can have these fantastically dynamic conversations with, with really people at all, you know, all ends of the spectrum there.
1: No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It's um you know, and the reason I bring that up is because, you know, a lot of times in security, the the people that we're solving the problems for don't really have the authority to sign the purchase order. And one of the things that we like to point out in this program is that if you're if you're listening and you of Yeah, that's me. Don't be afraid to go make friends with people in procurement or start to take some of the stuff that we talk about instead of saying, oh, that doesn't apply to me. Listen. You may never be the leader in the organization because you don't aspire to that, and that's cool. But if you start to understand how these things work, then when you come across a really cool solution, you can advocate for it more effectively. So that's really cool, Gary. A couple of questions that we like to ask people from time to time. Uh, you've you've had experience now uh, in a couple of different startups. Is is that something that you're drawn to or is it – are you drawn to the startup or are you drawn to the technology or what is it that kind of keeps you going? And, <laughs> and what I'm looking for here too is yeah. some insights for somebody else. Like if somebody else is looking at the startup yeah. life, is there, is there a certain uh. thing to it that you like that, that you want them to know about or is it – I don't know. What drives you and, and how would that help somebody else listening in right now? Oh, boy. Uh, how many hours do we have left on the, mm-hmm.
2: for, for the conversation? <laughs> About five minutes. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, yes. So, I mean, lots lots of aspects, right? And, you know, some of them are, uh, you know, some of them are probably a little more comical. You know, I think we, can, we could throw a little bit of, there's at times nerd rage in there where, uh, you know, when you when you you know, when you spend a lot of time in the, in the field right and working on the actual problems right, um, you start to see the gaps and, and you start to see you know basically if you're experiencing frustrations in doing the work. that's that's a red flag, right? So it's it's something that either needs to be filled, and if you go out and you look and you can't find solutions for it, uh, you know, there's almost this frustration like this, why is this problem not solved already? How has this not been solved already? And, you know, there's this sort of intrinsic drive to just go fix it. I think a lot of times that may start, you know, on a small scale. You do it in the environment you're in and if it works and then other people hear about it and they, they're they interested in the same thing, um, then, you know, then you ultimately need to make a decision about, you know, putting it out there for the whole world and supporting it. And, and that was actually very much the story with, with Preventure for me. Um, there's, there's other aspects of it too, though, you know, which starts to get into, you know, how do you define entrepreneur? and and you know that particular t- you know those particular types of drives, and the you know the startup journey is just you know the the the, the 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 beginning of it is such a strong draw because you go into it and you're creating something new and and really your existence day to day or week to week is defined by creation creating um, and it's a very uh, I'm kind of overusing this word here, but very, very just creative experience, right? And that is incredibly, you know, it's just incredibly fun and and fulfilling for for me. And I think a lot of, you know, a lot of other folks I know who, who do this type of work. Um, so, you know, so those are two aspects of it. Another, you know, I kind of mentioned earlier, but. But, you know, yeah, there's lots of jokes we can make about vendors and marketing and stuff like that. But it's also a fantastic place to be because you do get to go. I mean, every week I get to go work um, and sometimes quite intimately with just a wide variety of companies across an incredible array of industries. Um, You know, one week you're you're. You, know, you you really one day you're working in defense or maybe, you know, intelligence type communities. Next day it's uh, health care and retail. Then, you know, so you, you you just get this fantastic perspective that's also very humbling, right? Because, you know, you're, you're going in and, and that's, to be honest, something else I love about the work you're going in, you're supporting people who are you know, who at the end of the day are doing it. You, you're not going to be there tomorrow. They are, right? And so, um, you know, it really helps to just develop a lot of respect, like this implicit respect for for the people you work with. And and to me, that's that's also part of it. It's also a very fulfilling part of the work.
1: That's really cool. Paul, any other questions for you? Because this, this has been exciting.
0: No, I'm, I'm good. Gary, thank you so much for appearing on Startup Security Weekly. It was wonderful having you. Best of luck with Wake Security.
1: <laughs> All right. Thank you, guys.